All right, everybody. Welcome to B.O. Boys for Friday, November 3rd. F it. It's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. Clayton, it's a bit of a grab bag episode today. Not a huge new movie opening this weekend, though there should have been. We'll get into that. But we've got some listener emails, and we've got a huge article that I think we should jump into right off the bat. Uh, Variety wrote an expose of the Marvel Cinematic Universe of Marvel Studios and their current state. And Clayton, we've both read this. Did you find a lot of uh, uh, crazy new information that you'd never thought before? Did you find this article very enlightening with with sort of uh, angles and takes that, that you'd never considered? Is that what happened when you read this Variety article on Marvel? No. Uh, the most shocking thing about this article was how it did not shock me at all. There was no mm-hmm. revelations in this that we had not surmised or came to the same conclusions as. I mean, there's things in here that we've been saying for months to years. Yeah. That Marvel all of a sudden came to think like, oh, maybe we should rush this X-Men movie. Right, right. Right. Maybe we should get Fantastic Four on the rails here. Right. Right. Maybe Thunderbolts ain't going to cut it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. A- and and the fact, I mean, listen, this th- this article does go in a lot of different directions, basically, uh, to try and understand why the Marvel movies aren't what they were five years ago. Um, and I I think we uh, we we've talked about this a lot. I mean. I think the 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 to me the biggest thing is the superheroes were always going to be a fad to some degree and fads could last different amounts of time you know snap bracelets had their run mm-hmm. and uh um you, you know culottes had their run and I think superheroes as the dominant all encompassing part of pop culture had its run and it was a long run, 10 years plus. And after a while, people just can't want only the same thing anymore. And I yeah. think no matter what, that is probably the biggest reason why these movies have declined to some degree since Endgame is just how long do you think people are going to want the same thing? Well, because we're seeing that generational shift. I mean, right. what has been so exciting about this year is that so many releases have been crapshoots in the sense of we don't know what this is going to make. Right. And that hasn't been the case so much in the past few years because, you know, before Marvel's decline, a Marvel movie would come out and it would do Bafa Bobo and it was boring. It was yawn right. inducing. We knew. Yeah. That the fanboys would run out. Right. But the thing is that these IPs, and you know, even speaking about X-Men and Fantastic Four, those aren't slam doinks. They're not slam doinks. Those are, especially X-Men, those are Gen X and millennial IPs. Yes, they're the Gen X-Men. Gen X-Men. Yeah. Young people don't give a shit about the X-Men. No. Not in the way we did and not no. in the way that uh, your generation did. Me being Gen X and you being millennial. Also, so, I'm a Gen X man. Yeah. Yeah. So 
that I think is also scary for Marvel that their best bets aren't even slam doinks. Right. They don't have a Batman to rely on. The closest thing to their Batman possibly is Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. Yes. Yes. And that's it. And even that, he's stepped back. I mean, is there an amount of money that this guy would take to come back in a full capacity? I don't know. There definitely is. Because, you know, as a smart man once said, everyone has a price. But that price is going to be so high. And it's going to get so much higher when this guy wins an Oscar in Mm. six months. Yeah. You know, like, is he going to want to be on stage at the Dolby Auditorium or the Kodak Auditorium or, or, uh, you know, wherever it is they're holding the Oscars? And he's holding up his Oscar for Oppenheimer. And then he's going to say... And now I've got to go put on the metal suit and talk to a tennis ball in front of a green screen in Atlanta for the next six months because I'm going to be playing Iron Man again. I mean, I'll, I'll to get Downey to do that, it's going to take $100 million up front, yeah. which you could pay. I don't know how that movie becomes profitable if you're paying Downey Jr. $100 million just to you know, give up his dignity again. Mm-hmm. But that's what it would take. There, There's a lot in this article about Jonathan Majors and how they're thinking of moving on from the whole Kang situation. Uh, guess what? Unless there's some contractual obligation that you have that you can't get out of, even if there is, you know, pay whatever that penalty will be. Right. And move away from this guy because this guy's a zero. Well, this, this here's I, a- he doesn't bring anything. He does not bring dollars to the box office is what I'm saying. Right. 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 He's a guy that is in trouble with the law. Right. But again, it's not Robert Downey Jr. If Robert Downey Jr. God forbid, got back on the horse, broke into somebody's house. And then you have an issue with that. And he's still Iron Man. That's when you stop everything and are like, okay, we've got to scramble. We've got to fix. We've got to work around this person. Right. Recast. If you want to do Kang recast or do Dr. Doom, like they said in here, just say Doom killed Kang off screen. No one will give a shit. Right, right. Do it with do it with a title card. You could they get so you see things in this article where sources say, oh, they're so screwed. They're they're so tied into Kang because of, uh, you know, he was he was in quantum mania or he's in the Loki season, whatever this is of the Disney plus show. None of that matters. The real people you could get out of this storyline with a old fashioned silent movie title card. And that's it. And people would move on. People in real life do not care about the intricacies of these Marvel stories, especially since Endgame ended. Uh, nearly as much as the trades or the executives think they do. Well, if anything, that's been the problem post Endgame is all of these TV shows that people are supposed to watch to be able to follow along have diminished what the Marvel movies are. It used to be I watched two, maybe three at the height of Marvel of these movies every year. And I could stay up to date once they started making it that you've got to watch, you know, 50 hours of television so that you could be ready for when Kang's in the movie. That's when people started dropping off. So honestly, 
just forget about that character and move on. It doesn't matter. Well, the interconnectivity mm-hmm. with these movies started out as the garnish. Yes. And now they're the meat. Yes. Yes. And you got to find other meat. You, you got to find, find other, meat. other meat. That's the problem is that the intercon the the fact that these are interconnected became the whole meal and that is yes. not what people want. Now, dorks want that. Sure. The hardcore dorks want that, but the hardcore dorks are not going to bring you Bafa Bobo. Right. Right. So the thing is also these movies have started to be too much like the comic books in the sense that they are bogged down in so much continuity. Nobody reads comic books anymore. It is shocking when you look at the sales of comic books against how well comic book movies did. Right. Nobody has any interest in the source material. Right. And so stay as far away from the source material as you can because nobody cares about the source material. Right. Young people don't read comic books. They read manga. Mm. They mm-hmm. watch anime. That's yep. what young people talk about. Yeah. They don't talk about the latest issue of X-Men or Captain America or the Avengers. Right. They talk about Attack on Titan. Right, 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 right. Our generation, our, our Gen Xers, they'll read the new Gen X-Men comic. But a, a, a 15-year-old or, or a 20-year-old, they they don't care. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we've sort of talked about Marvel a little bit in terms of they, they were going to be a fad and this was going to have to go down to some degree, which is true. There is no way they were ever going to be able to maintain that 2018-2019 high watermark. Um, but... I think we also sh- can't let them off the hook for their sort of self-inflicted damage. The TV shows being the big one, yeah, and the and the forcing people to watch all of this stuff, which allowed more people to just drop off altogether. That's a big problem. In terms of the movies that they did, I mean, I would say a big problem is just that they have been so bad, yeah, since 2019, and not that. You know, as the as the rose-colored glasses come off and you look back at just the whole run of Marvel, most of those movies were okay and and, and are, are unwatchable on a second time to me. Thanks but for coming have, around to my but, point of view. I've been saying this since the beginning. You have been saying this since the beginning, though you also said that Marvel was your Star Wars. I didn't say that. That's been debunked. Has that it been has debunked? Been, yes, we debunked that in another episode. Okay, okay, because that's still out there. It's still a rumor that's out there. No, that that's like not a rumor. That's something that you said that was unsubstantiated. Right. That right. I had to pull footage and right. add to an episode, and now you bring it back up as if it's a real thing. I, I just saw it again on a blog recently, so I just needed to yeah. reiterate it. Yeah, people are people are still debating well, whether was it's it on true Hipster or not. Runoff. What blog were you reading? I was on Brooklyn Vegan. Okay, so so these movies have gotten worse since 2019, you know, and they've been propped up by things like Three Spidey Men or the sequel to some of the originals like Thor Love and Thunder, Guardians 3, those have been high water Black Panther 2. But 
they do seem to be in this point. The article talks about Marvel's talking about bringing back the originals, bringing back Downey Jr. as Iron Man, bringing Black ScarJo as Black Widow, both of whom the characters were killed in earlier movies, though obviously they've got multiverses, they can do whatever, they, and people won't care, you know, if you bring the characters back. Do you think that that is a move that A, is possible, and B, would quote-unquote save these movies? No, because it's too early to do that, because there's mm -hmm. no nostalgic love for those characters right now. I, I think it's something you do in 20 years, right? And you can do it maybe once, get the whole team back together, if everybody's, God forbid, still alive. Right. But there's no... There's no there's no attachment from the general public to your uh, OG Captain America right now, mm. because it when was the, I mean, it feels like that that he just left. Right. Right. Endgame was not that long ago in people's minds, because there is a huge sort of time jump from 2019 to now because of covid. Right. Those years were long and arduous, but they also kind of feel like they don't exist. Right. So right. if you brought back, and I'm trying to, uh, uh, Chris Evans as Captain America, people would think, didn't this guy just leave? Like, why is he coming back? This is sad. Right. Right. There is the, and I think especially with young people, there is a huge risk there of if you were to do an Avengers movie with Downey, Chris Evans, Scar Joe. I mean, Mark Ruffalo is Hulk, who kind of has never left. He's been doing TV. But he's different. He's not a guy that could ever be a marquee star. Right. But you're bringing him in. I guess you're you're getting Chris Pratt to be Star-Lord again. Whatever, whatever it is they're doing there. We'll see I, if that actually happens. I want to see the contract there. I, I mean, that, that seems to be the case, is that he's still in the fold. But... And it's probably for a situation like this where they do an OG Avengers reboot. But I do think there's a serious case of the of the Five Nights at Freddy's generation looking at a movie like that and just thinking it's sad. Yeah. That it's a bunch of, you know, that that's, you know, uh, OK Boomer, the superhero movie. You Look know, all these or, old farts in, in tights. It's sad. Right, right, right. We want people in animatronic animal suits. We don't want them in superhero masks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I I think it's just a matter of Marvel has to accept a lower ceiling for these movies mm -hmm. and make them accordingly. You know, in that article, they talked about how they're re sort of shaping what the Blade movie is supposed to be, if that ever gets made. And they're looking at that as a budget under $100 million. That's the way to go on a lot of these properties is, is look back to the kind of movies, the superhero movies of the 90s, you know, your Spawn type movies, your Blade movies then. And they don't have to be the biggest movie of the year to be successful if you somehow are not spending you know, this Marvel's movie, the budget is supposedly $275 million. That movie cannot ever be successful. Obviously, it's the first one made a billion, but that's yeah. not going to happen ever again with these Marvel movies. It's crazy when you look at somebody like 
you know, Jason Blum and Blumhouse and mm-hmm. you look at a movie like Upgrade, mm-hmm. I know that came out a while ago. Right. But that's a movie that was made for what, $5 million? Right, right. And why can you not make a Blade movie for $20 million mm-hmm. or $40 million, right? right. I mean, let, right. again, let's not get crazy. I'm not saying let's, let's not make a $5 million Blade Independent, movie. Independent. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, not the director of past lives making a, a Blade movie for $4 million. It's just about Blade going to see his ex. Yeah. They're able to make these big budget movies like Quantumania look like absolute shit. Right. So it's there's a problem in the pipeline. There's a problem with where is this budget going to and how much VFX do we actually have to use? Can you make practical vampires for Blade? Right. Can or, you? Or, can you? Can or, you? Or, or does he have to fight some world-conquering alien villain that's going to be shit CGI in the right. third act, right? Right. Blade is a down-to-earth character. Make him fight down-to-earth villains. Like, I don't want to be the dork here saying what to do with the Blade movie, but... But you are I'm talking budget-wise. I'm Mm -hmm. talking budget-wise. Make this a street-level action movie with vampires that have practical fangs and facial makeup, period. Do that. And make it actually interesting which is something that they have a very hard time of doing right now. You know, we've talked about vampires the last year or so, and mostly in the context of box office bombs, you know, Morbius Renfield last voyage of the Demeter bomb, 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 vampire, vampire, vampire. Um, the whole blade concept could just be the, the perfect storm of, People don't want superheroes. People don't want vampires. Uh, that that could be a really rough situation. And that the only movie thing is, worse they could have done was cast The Rock. Yeah, yeah. So they at least they got Mahershala Ali coming off of two Oscars. But if they had The Rock in a superhero vampire movie, yikes! That that would have been rough. So you know. This article has sort of taken the internet and, and Hollywood by storm. There's some other things in there that I think are kind of big nothings. The director of the Marvels during post-production started working on her next movie. I mean, that's just what people do. That's what directors mm-hmm. do. I think that is a mountain out of a molehill. Although, um, I mean, I have said it, and I do think that from the director's demeanor, in reference to this movie that that this is the beginning of the talk of is Kevin Feige a guy who should be in charge here. Mm -hmm. I, I see rumblings of Nia Costa being like, is it Nia DeCosta or Costa? Nia DeCosta. DeCosta. I apologize. Nia DeCosta Mm -hmm. did not seem, and listen, this is from uh, various Blank check guest stars starring, you know, like being a guest uh-huh. on blank check basically is where I get this is that there seems I don't want to say disgruntled, but there seems to be some sort of like, wow, it's kind of a bummer, this system that Marvel has going. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think if there's an ability for her to speak out, you know, and talk about it, it's going to be the beginning of people being like, well, is the way Kevin Feige runs stuff now that it's failing? 
Right. Is he the right guy? Right, right, right. I, I see that happening. I see that being the beginning of, hey, let's get this guy out of here because unless he's making movies that make Bafa Bobo, he might have too much control. I, I think he's going to, for listen, he's had 10 years plus of, you know, the biggest hits in movies, for better or worse. Unprecedented. Unprecedented. He's going to have barring scandals which don't seem to be a, a thing it's just it's just the work and the results he does seem to he's going to have a chance to get out of this and i think that chance is what we've talked about he's going to do his x-men movie he's going to do his fantastic four movie and he's going to try and get the original avengers back together if those don't work obviously then they start looking at bigger changes but i do think he is going to get and right there, that's five years worth of movies, you know. So I do think he's going to get those swings, whether they will work or not. Who knows? I mean, listen, like you said, X-Men is not a slam doink. That X-Men first class movie in 2011, where they basically tried to recast all of the X-Men away from the, the uh, you know, Hugh Jackman, Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen X-Men, and they recast them younger that movie did not do well. I no. mean, it comparatively, it ended up at 146 domestic in the summer of 2011 to the point where they had to, for the sequel, bring back the originals. Mm -hmm. You know, they had to bring back Stuart, Ian McKellen, Hugh Jackman as the leads to revive that franchise. And that only worked for one movie. The X-Men have been proven they can fail. Fantastic Four has kind of only failed. At I the mean, box those, office. those two, those two ones were that were in the, I guess the Chris Evans ones. Yeah, the Chris Evans ones were middling hits. They were, were never middling, huge. They were middling hits, but no one ever loved any version of the Fantastic Four movies. You know, no. there's never been a Batman '89 for the Fantastic Four or no. or a X Men, you know, X Two. For the Fantastic Four. They've never had a movie that just totally worked with the fans and at the box office. So that is not a slam doink, you know, franchise. Obviously, people are excited that it's uh, uh, in the MCU. But but I think that doesn't matter anymore because the MCU doesn't really matter anymore. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the biggest opening weekend that a Fantastic Four movie has ever had is... $58 million in 2007. So these movies are not slam doinks. There's no, no magic bullet for Marvel at this point. So no, because Marvel has Marvel as like an entity yeah. has one refillable character and that is Spider-Man and they don't even completely own him in the movies. No, no. Sony has the one Marvel character that is refillable like Batman. Yeah. DC has Batman who's endlessly refillable. Yep. And Spider-Man is endlessly refillable. And DC has Joker who is, who's the biggest star in the world. Yes. Yes. And I think after killers of the flower moon, which we both have to admit is disappointing at the box office a little bit. Joker is sort of up there above Leo at this point. Well, I, I until think proven differently until proven differently. I think let's then change gears and and move on in this grab bag to an email that we got. 
Oh yes. You brought up Leo and you brought up uh, uh, Killers, Killers of Flower Moon. So I'm going to read an email from an OG wannabe old boy, Adam from the Stacks. I might I'll say the OG. He, the, I think he is the first person to email us regularly. Wow. So listen, he we give him his his respect. He's he sits on a pedestal. He doesn't stand on a pedestal. He sits on it because he, he lives in the stacks and he's tired. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll just caveat this up front. If this was anyone other than OG wannabe old boy Adam from the stacks, I'd be losing my stacks right now. You'd blow a stack. I'd blow my stacks. Yeah. But I'm going to read this calmly because Adam sits on his pedestal. Yeah. The old boys. If Aerosmith comes out with a new album, literally no one cares. Scorsese is like that. He is a guy who makes movies for Netflix and for Apple TV. He's a streamo boy. When you go 150 million negative with Leonardo DiCaprio as your star, you are box office poison. This was a very bad choice for Leonardo DiCaprio. His star is waning. Martin Scorsese is a shriveled husk, a shadow of what he once was. Adam from the Stacks. Then P.S. Hollywood Reporter just announced they are producing Martin Scorsese's retirement film. It's a $300 million epic called Splattered. It's actually just a four-hour IMAX reel that Martin Scorsese shat on day and date on Peacock. Okay. So that's an email from Adam from the Stacks. I would say the most insulting part of that is that he predicts that Martin Scorsese's next film will be for Peacock. Yes, but I will tell you what. If I'm Peacock, I'm funding Splattered. Yeah, you have to. You have to. And that's what we said. You have to. It's his if this is truly his retirement, let's let's just take this for what it is. Yeah. Let's say that Splattered is the one that Marty's like, after this one, I'm gonna wander off into the woods and die alone. Right, right. 300 million for the last Scorsese film. Mm-hmm. And it's an that, IMAX. I mean, Adam did say this is, I guess, shot in IMAX. Yes, it's 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 Marty taking a, a poo on an IMAX reel, but it is IMAX. Number one, to have to have the, anything that is um, forensically tied to Scorsese will be worth millions. Yes, yes. Okay, so the fact that there is fecal matter actually on this film reel adds to the value of it, right? Because there's right. DNA there, right? So I think if this was true, Peacock made a good investment. Oh, of course. Of course. Definitely. The the and listen, I, I think we've seen with Peacock with Five Nights at Freddy's, the day and date wouldn't affect the opening weekend no. box office of Splattered. And again, it's in IMAX. Marty's never made a four IMAX movie before. Yeah. So yeah. that in itself is big. I mean, mm-hmm. it's poo on an IMAX reel, but it's still IMAX. So I but think that Scorsese, helps that opening weekend box office a lot. Has Scorsese ever made a bad looking film? No, ne- never. So if he shits on an IMAX I mean, even reel. Even New York and New York looked good 
I watched yeah. that in the last year. I had never seen that. The one, the one, uh, uh, you know, uh, spot blind spot for me in Scorsese's filmography. I finally watched New York, New York. It wasn't good, but it looked, it looked great. Mm-hmm. So uh, if he's shooting on IMAX cameras and it's, and he's splattering poo, it'll look, it'll look great. Yeah. It'll look he, great. He'll know how to have the poo add to whatever he's trying to get across. The other thing is let's talk about the Leo side of it. Yeah. Leo was going to be in splattered. It doesn't matter, right? Oh, if, Leo's going to Scors- be splattered. If yeah. Scorsese asked Leo to be in spa- splattered, he'd say yes, unequivocally. Yes, 100%. Now, talking about Leonardo DiCaprio's star waning, the fact that he was able to open this movie at 23 shows that his star is not waning. Because this yes. was a four-hour movie about the brutality that was inflicted on uh, indigenous people. Yeah. The average opening for Leo and Scorsese together, I think was $19 million or something like that. That's the average. Yeah. This was above average. Right. Right. And that average is pulled high up probably by, uh, I would guess uh, uh, Shutter Island is probably the highest. I bet you that opened in 40 or 50. Well, and um, then Wolf of Wall Street, I think, probably had a, a decent Yeah, I, actually, I think Wolf of Wall Street, I'm going to guess, didn't open a, as high as you would think considering how uh, how big it ended up being. I think Did that, that opened, opened at 21 or something? Yeah, I, I think that opened you know, on a five day weekend. And I think the three day might've only been, yeah, I'm looking at it now, December of 2013, the three day was only 18 million. The five day okay. was 34 and it got to 116 domestic and, you know, like 400 million worldwide. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's above I mean, average. It's above average. I think the difference is this movie killers of flower moon didn't ride the wave of people wanting serious, serious movies and the legs on it aren't going to be what Wolf of Wall Street or The Departed or Shutter Island movies that were all just much poppier premises mm-hmm. were. And, and that was always the, the the fear box office wise with this movie is that there was never that poppy premise with Killers of the Flower Moon the way there were with some of the other Scorsese Leo movies that even yes. if they were dark and violent, they were dark, violent and fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So he, listen, Adam from the sack says that Marty is box office poison, that he's a stream. boy. And listen, his, his last two movies. I mean, th- this is not a stream movie killers of the flower moon for whatever it does has gotten a real theatrical release. You know, Full Apple release. is not, Put this on the schedule of, hey, just wait until Thanksgiving and we'll see. The only real Streamo movie he did was The Irishman. Mm-hmm. That was purely Streamo. And, you know, it's very interesting when you go back to fall of 2019. I do wonder what The Irishman would have done in the movie theater had it been released as a real movie. You know, yeah. Netflix gave it its four awards. 
you know, uh, uh, run in New York and LA. Obviously, the box office was was negligible there. You go back to fall of 2019, the sort of end of the salad days of of pre-pandemic box office, and there were a lot of real movies doing well at the box office. I mean, we can't play coulda, wouldas, but I do wonder if The Irishman would have done okay Mm-hmm. At the bo- obviously it costs two hundred million, but that's partially yeah. because when you make something for Netflix, it costs a lot more because they just pay everyone up front instead of yeah on point. So the budgets are not comparable to a. But you know, if Universal had made that movie, and it comes out in October of twenty nineteen, alongside things like Little Women that made a hundred million, Hustlers made over a hundred million, Knives Out, you know. Mm-hmm. Does Irishman do well at the box office? What do you think? It's gangster. It's a gangster movie. Those are the movies that do well for Scorsese other than Leo movies. Yeah. Yeah. It's a gangster although, picture. Although and, the the Scorsese gangster pictures end up doing better in their post-theatrical life than they ever do in theaters. Goodfellas did only make like 45 million at the box mm-hmm. office in 1990. So But but again, and I don't want to make excuses for Scorsese, but um home box office was part of the equation for a lot of uh companies back in the day. You could put out a movie like Goodfellas. You could put out a movie uh like Casino. And it could make its money back in uh, downstream, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's and that's why, not to get into the woods here, that's why Scorsese had to go to Netflix to make The Irishman because right. the system had been broken for no reason. Right. Now, streaming I, I, came in and ruined the business and made it un, untenable. Now, I could hear right now Adam from the Stacks. He's in his truck. Is he a He's, co-host? Is, is he, he a co-host? co-host of this show? Then you don't have to hear him. Well, I'm just saying I could hear him in his truck somehow playing this episode, the B.O. Boys on AM radio. He's figured out how to do it. He's not listening on Apple. He's not listening on Spotify. He's listening on like 1050 AM stacks. Love and it. The B.O. Boys, are, which I, as, it, I, I do love the fact that somewhere in the stacks, the B.O. Boys are a morning AM radio show. Yeah. And, and he's listening in his truck and, you know, he's he's changing the dial and you got that fuzzy. Yeah, goes from country music to, you know, world music somehow. And he, he scrolls right past that. And then it's the B.O. Boys coming. To, well, you got to have a you got to have a preacher talking too. he's got. Yes. There's, there's always a preacher talking on one of those stations. Right. Drive out the snakes. And then he turns the dial some more. And he hears the B.O. boys making excuses for Martin Scorsese saying that, oh, if the 2019, the Irishman, maybe that would have been a hit. And he's, he's, you know, swerving out of the road. He's swerving in and out, you know, almost goes into a ditch, has to pull his car out of a ditch because he's listening on AM radio, the B.O. boys saying, oh, maybe Irishman would have made $80 million in 2019. So, listen. There's of course there's silence, but come on, silence is a you know that was a that was a for him. And he here's the thing with Scorsese, he's at this point like we talked about. I think he had his run 
in the 2000s and 2010s where he did legitimately care about making hits. Yeah. You know, I think that was a run and he's had those periods in his career before. I think when he makes something like a Cape fear, he's going for a hit color of money. Mm -hmm. He's going for a hit. He's had periods where he's like, you know what? I got to make a hit so I could fund last temptation of Christ. I got to make a hit so I could fund Kundun. And I think in the two thousands, he went box office. You know, he hooked up with Leo. Aviator's a hit. Depart is a hit. Shutter Island's a hit. Wolf of Wall Street's a hit. Yeah. And I think he built up that equity box office wise so that he's like, you know what? At this point, any one of these movies could be my last movie. And I'm going to make them three and a half hours. And maybe the next one's going to be splattered. I mean, that's what these 70s guys did, right? Scorsese. Spielberg, I mean, Spielberg's a guy who's one for you, one for me. And right. he's had a spotty track record at the box office recently. Right. But would you say Spielberg's a dried up husk? And again, Spielberg mm. reached heights that Scorsese never did. But that's the mentality of these guys. It's I'm going to do my art pictures and I'm going to do my artful popcorn pictures. Right, right. And right. and that is an antiquated way of going about it in the current system because the one for me now has to be done at a streamer right 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 on a streamer level right right because paramount or universal they can't look and say you know what in two years we'll sell a million copies of dvds yeah and then make a ton of money putting this on tnt like that's just not part of the equation and again Adam's and that's why we gave, his, his truck out of a ditch because he's hearing me talk about DVDs and, and it, basic cable, but and we have to say to be this part of it. That's why it's so it was so comical when the rock tweeted about all this downstream stuff is because right. the equations are different now, right? If he right. would have, if, if he would have been able to somehow get this information across in 1996 that, Hey, my movie is going to sell a buttload of DVDs. It's going to be on HBO every hour on the hour, then it's going to be on TNT. That's how I'm going to make my money back. So all you jabronis can eat it. We'd be like, you know what? He's right. Right, right. But the fact that The Rock was coming up with these hypothetical ideas of what this movie, Black Adam, was going to do, that's what made it comical because the system is different now. Right, right. So let's move on in this grab bag. Uh and I think we got to move on, actually, to what this episode is usually supposed to be about, which is previewing the weekend. Yeah. You know, uh, so this weekend, Friday, November 3rd, was supposed to be the opening weekend for Timothy Chalamet in Dune, your whole two fingers, the symbol of Dune 2. And that is not happening. Dune 2 got moved to March because mm -hmm. of supposedly the strikes and the fact that Chalamet, Zendaya, you know, Dave Bautista, Zendaya, 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 Timothy Chalamet were not well, able to promote on the chat shows, on the hot ones, on the Instagram. And so Dune got moved to next year. I mean, it's a gaping hole this uh -huh. weekend. We all think or thought that Dune 2 was going to be a big jump from the first one. Dune 1 mm -hmm. came out in that 
COVID fall of 2021. It was day and date on HBO Max, and it still got itself over 100 million domestic. Yep. And, you know, this was supposed to be the Lord of the Rings Return of the King for Dune. It was going to be a best picture contender, which just on the Oscar front, it would have been so interesting if Dune 2 did open this year because it would have been in that mix with Oppenheimer, Killers. Yeah, uh, Barbie. So that it w- God, it would have made this year's Oscars so much more interesting if Dune Two was actually a Best Picture contender. Yeah, I mean, and you mentioned Chalamet, who's hosting SNL this week. Wow, which right? I mean, might the last time Timothy Chalamet hosted SNL, it was the first ever emergency episode of the Bo Boys because of the course, legendary hoodie, Tim Chalamet on live national television and we cannot stress this enough no. live national television timothy chalamet walked on stage at the end of snl wearing the legendary hoodie in protest of warner discovery putting dune day and date on hbo and mm-hmm. he stood up for his production company legendary he wore that legendary hoodie it was big news it was in, in, in the highest office, rated episode of the bo boys up to that point when we did that the emergency time. episode yeah for box office people, that was akin to your Sinead O'Connor's ripping up yes. the picture of the Pope, yep. fight the real enemy. Yeah. He didn't have to rip up the hoodie. He was the hoodie was not something he wanted to rip up. It was the thing that he wanted to promote. He wanted to say right. this is a good thing. Yes. Legendary yes. is good. Yes. So a a brave act yes. of protest. A radical act. Part, uh, a radical act. Yes. Uh, that Chalamet pulled off. I mean, it makes me wonder what hoodie he's going to be wearing at the Mm -hmm. end of this SNL episode. Can he top that hoodie? It's going to be very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. America, America does wait to see what hoodie Chalamet will wear this, this weekend. Will he, will it be cheeky? Will he wear the Knuff, you know, hoodie or Ken enough, you know, the, the Barbie hoodie. Uh, that that Ken wears at the end of Barbie will will maybe Chalamet wear that hoodie as sort of a nod to his past hoodie. Will he wear the legendary hoodie again in a sketch? You know, like like not even reference it. Yeah, but just his character would wear a hoodie, and he's like, you know what? I got just the hoodie. He wears the legendary hoodie. I, I don't know, but it's going to be really interesting what hoodie Chalamet wears this weekend. It makes it a must watch. And obviously we'll, you know, in the after BO on our Sunday episode or whenever that drops, yep. we'll definitely have to talk about how he did as a host yep. and what hoodie he wore. What hoodie but he speaking wore. of, you know, Chalamet, Zendaya, also Austin Butler in this Dune too. Right. You had, you had to move it if you couldn't have those three actors promote because i mean that's that's where all the sizzle is is having those actors go out there and tell fans this is the hot young dune too with hot young stars i but, mean the bobby Soxers seats would be wet is yes. all i'm gonna say right so, and so, so yes you needed that but it is a shame because like you said there's a hole in the box office yeah and it's being filled this weekend by priscilla by Priscilla. And listen, I am excited to eventually see Priscilla. I want to see in the theater. It's mm-hmm. Sofia Coppola. Pretty much love her movies. I've seen a bunch of them in theaters. Um, I, I, I'm, I am excited to see 
this movie, but it obviously is not going to be a replacement for the box office that Dune 2 would have done this weekend. No, no. You know, it's uh, it's interesting to have another Elvis movie or Elvis adjacent movie come out. I mean, does, do you believe Elvis was summer of 2022? For some reason, that feels longer ago, the Austin Butler, mm-hmm. Tom Hanks Elvis, but it was just a year and a half ago. Yeah. And that movie was obviously a huge hit, but it's centered on Elvis. And this one, yeah. Elvis is a side character who is, you know, based on an, the Priscilla story. Maybe he's a bit of a villain in this. I don't know. I haven't seen this film. So I think sidelining Elvis and making him creepy Elvis is probably not great for the box office. You know, I mean, the best Elvis is obviously, as we saw with the Austin Butler Elvis, skinny hero Elvis. Yes. Yes. And then your is your second best box office Elvis fat Elvis or creepy villain Elvis? It's I I think it's fat. It's fat Elvis. Yeah, I think so. Right. Too. Right. Because I, the stamps remember when back when they were going to do the two different Elvis stamps. Okay. And it was skinny young Elvis and fatter Vegas Elvis. Yeah, yeah. And people were able to make their choice. They could vote. Right. They went skinny Elvis 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the third option was not creepy Elvis. Right. It was not lascivious Elvis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I do think that that is not the Elvis people want to see. And yeah, Elvis is making a resurgence. But I do think to a lot of people, he's an American hero. And a lot of the crowd that would go see an Elvis movie don't want to think of the dark underbelly of Elvis. And Mm -hmm. I'm not making a judgment on that. I'm just saying purely as a box office play, you got to have Elvis be at least a little bit redeeming and have some of the things people love about Elvis. Right, right. Now, again, in order to be big, this could be a spectacular movie that shows the true side of Elvis. And that could be awesome for what it is, but it's not going to light up the box office because of it. Yep. And, and, and this Priscilla movie, it's not totally about Elvis. Obviously it is called Priscilla, but I'm looking at the poster. Elvis is in the poster. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously you can't have a Priscilla movie. That's not partially about Elvis. It looks like Elvis is the second lead. There's no marquee star playing either. Priscilla Presley or Elvis Presley. Uh, I'm looking at the actress who is playing, who's the lead in this, who's playing Priscilla and Kaylee Spani. And it's, it says here, you know, she was in Pacific Rim Uprising. She was in Bad Times at the El Royale. She was in On the Basis of Sex. She was in Mayor of Easttown. Um, you don't see a... I don't see a big role even in something like a euphoria, say, where mm-hmm. there's a fan base that I'm missing. That it's it seems like they cast a sort of unknown, you mm-hmm. know, or little known. And while that could be, she could be great in this movie, and who knows, maybe she gets an Oscar nom nom nom. Who knows? They didn't go the route of. Sydney Sweeney as Priscilla Presley, mm-hmm. you know, or or someone who I guess could fit age wise, but also is a star. 
Well, because who would that be? Right. I mean, obviously, I I think that's the problem we have with both Elvis and I mean, Austin Butler was not a known guy until Elvis, but he Mm -hmm. had such an electrifying performance that now he is a guy. Right. Now, whether he's going to be a huge guy, that's a question, but he is now a guy. Right. And and the thing that the Elvis 2022 movie did was it had Tom Hanks as the big star in the other big part mm-hmm. and allowed you to have an unknown Elvis. Yeah. You know, uh, we cannot under undersell what a important thing it was that Tom Hanks was playing Colonel Parker in that Elvis movie. Yeah. I think yeah. he allowed that to feel like a big movie, even when Elvis was an unknown. They didn't do that with. Priscilla, I mean, obviously the move would have been, you know, back up the Brinks truck and got Austin Butler to play Elvis again. Yeah, I mean, or get a star. Yeah. The thing with this movie, and I don't know what the movie's about, obviously, but if you get a big star, say, like Ryan Gosling to play Elvis. Right. But he's not in it that much. But you play off his persona as like, well, of course she's going to fall for this guy because he's Ken. Right. And then you have a, a you have somebody who is not as well known playing Priscilla. It would work the same way, right? Right, right. Because Elvis is the famous one; she's the ingenue. You know, yeah. yeah. Get Nicolas Cage as Elvis in this Priscilla movie. Cage is about to make another run at maybe getting an Oscar nomination for this this new A twenty four movie. The one where he dreams reality, whatever well, that's people called. People dream about him. Right. People dream about him. Yeah. I, I think box office wise, cast it, like you said, it would be tough to cast a star in the Priscilla part because who is that young female star who's around 20? I mean, it, I, I get, you know, not that she's a movie star, but I feel like a Sydney Sweeney is the, the person there um but it would have been could you get a star to play elvis presley the same way you got a star to play colonel parker so the the tracking on this movie is you know in single digits Mm -hmm. uh box office pro has it at three to eight million i you know it's hard to even judge what this is an a24 movie I don't know if they've done a great job of making it feel like a cool A24 movie in no. the way that A24's best best lane is always fake horror mm-hmm. is sort of is sort of making their prestige movies feel like oh maybe it's a horror movie um and I don't think they went that route in what I've seen for Priscilla so it's, I don't think the A24 marketing machine is going to mean as much as it does for like an Ari Aster movie or well, you know, some of I, the other fake horror movies. I think along with the Elvis angle, this is a, is Sofia Coppola a name yep. that will open a film to a certain degree? And that's there's a question mark there because I do think there's a generation – of younger people that Sofia Coppola means a lot to mm-hmm. because they watched Marie Antoinette a thousand times. Yep. 
I think Gen X, obviously a member of the tribe. So uh, we will always be interested in what Sofia Coppola is up to. Yep, we are. Um, but I, I question this as a real box office property here. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I don't see it breaking out. I, I, I just don't. So I'm going to throw, I mean, I'm looking at Sophia Coppola's filmography okay. and it is, it is so much shorter than you would think considering how uh, important she feels as a filmmaker, but she has not made many movies since Lost in Translation in 2003. So Lost in Translation, Marie somewhere, Antoinette, somewhere, Bling Ring, Beguiled, which I saw in the movie theaters on Me the too. rocks, which was an Apple TV Apple. movie in 2020, and now Priscilla. So very few movies. And other than Lost in Translation, which got to 44 million domestic, another 70 worldwide uh, international, got to 117 worldwide. None of her movies are big hits. Marie Antoinette did get to 60 million worldwide, but everything else, I mean, somewhere made a million dollars total. Bling Ring 5.8, Beguile 10.5. So I guess let's throw out here will this be her biggest opening weekend since Lost in Translation? I mean, I'm looking at Marie Antoinette back in October of 2006. So what is that? 17 years ago, Marie Antoinette mm -hmm. opened to $5.3 million. Will this movie open higher? Let's go with the over under on, on for Sophia Coppola. Will this be higher than Marie Antoinette's $5.3 million? No, no, I say no. Wow. And let me just double check. Beguile didn't open up higher. I don't no, think I it did. Um, in its wide release back in June of 2017, it opened to $3.1 million. So, yeah, I mean, things like Marie Antoinette and Beguile, they had bigger stars. You know, Kirsten Dunst, 20 years ago especially, is height of her Spider-Man stardom. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Beguiled had, what, Nicole Kidman's in that movie. Uh, and Colin and, Farrell, although I don't Colin know. If he, and Curse and yeah. Curse and Dunst. Yeah. So that's a star laden movie that only got to 3.1 opening weekend. But with Priscilla, there is bigger IP. Elvis is going to be in this. Priscilla Presley is famous, you know? Mm hmm. Um, do you think, do you think that this movie, Priscilla, would be a bigger box office movie if instead of saying this is about young Priscilla Presley when she's dating Elvis, it's a behind the scenes of when Priscilla Presley was starring in the Naked Gun movies. Do you think that's a bigger box office play? If Priscilla is promising, hey, you're going to see Priscilla Presley interact with O.J. Simpson, Leslie Nielsen, uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah, Robert Stack. I mean, if you make it a Jobs esque movie, Steve mm. Jobs esque movie, where it's three set pieces, 
And they're all behind the scenes of each one of the Naked Gun movies. Yes. That is a movie I would see yep. immediately. Yep. That yep. is an unplug walkout on a B.O. Boys recording. Yes. 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 A hundred percent. And you're seeing the progression of, and this is a, this is a great part for some actor out there playing OJ Simpson. You're mm-hmm. seeing her interact in three different time periods with OJ Simpson on the way to him doing what he's going to do at some point. And, you know, you're steal sort his of memorabilia. Those seeds. Yeah. Steals memorabilia. You're, you're sort of like building towards when eventually he's going to steal his memorabilia. Yeah. Um, and you're seeing her interact with someone playing Robert Goulet. Uh, yeah. I don't know who would be able to pull off playing Leslie Nielsen, but that would be fascinating. That yeah. that would be a Priscilla movie, and there's no Elvis at that point. Elvis is 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 long past, and it's about Priscilla getting her stardom back her way. Yes, you know, which is to uh, uh, we we get to see her. What was it like on set the day Priscilla Presley had to get inside the giant condom? Yeah, yeah, full body condom. Yeah. How do you psych yourself up for that? Right. What right. sort of, what is your process? Right. What emotions do you cycle through? Right. You right. know, right. to play that, to play that as sort of realistically and truthfully as, as she did. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that would be, I think, I think that's a bigger movie than, and listen, that's obviously not the way Sofia Coppola wanted to go. She wanted to to delve into the life of young Priscilla Presley and, and her relationship with Elvis. But I I think if she had done the movie about each act as a naked gun behind the scenes, that's a bigger box office play this weekend. Yes. Yeah, I, I absolutely believe. So nothing else really that could make the top five here. Mm-hmm. Right. So do we want to get to our top fives? Let's get to our top fives. And I'm going to tease a little something for the after BO. Oh, okay. Because we have one more email uh, for the after BO, and it's about Five Nights at Freddy's from Wanna Be Oh Boy Read. And okay. that'll be what we tackle quickly in our after BO. So I that's that. a little tease. That's only, of course, it's a web exclusive, only on YouTube. So if you're not a YouTube subscriber, subscribe now because yep. there will be bonus content. There will be a after BO in which we talk about this very interesting email regarding Five Nights at Freddy's and the real life implications of that film. So now, yes, Clayton, I think it's time for us to end this episode with our top five predictions. Would you like to go first? Um, No, I'd like to go second. Okay. I mean, listen, number one is going to be Five Nights at Freddy's. Um, so last weekend, that movie, $80 million. It's got to be a giant drop off because of it being a bad movie. It being so seasonally centric. It mm-hmm. being on a streamer. So 60% drop. But it's on Peacock and kids don't even know that. Well, I'll go 60% drop. Okay. In which that would be um it still would be like 30 something, right? 
Yeah, that still would be like thirty million. I, I I'll go with it's got to do thirty million. Yeah, I okay. think it'll it'll go from eighty to thirty. That's a big um, drop. It's a it's a big drop. Um, and then number two, Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour, the movie, it going into its fourth weekend. That feels like a fad that has to be over. It made fifteen mm-hmm. million last weekend. I wonder who is excited to still go see this this weekend. Are you? It'd have to be a lot of repeat business. I think it'll drop. God, this is a tough weekend for the box office. I think it'll drop another 50%. So I think that's coming in number two at like seven and a half million. Uh, number three... I think Killers or Flower Moon, this is where it's got to make it stand. I think it holds and it makes like almost $7 million. And then number four, I think this is where Priscilla gets in there. I do think it makes five or six. I th- I'm going to go with the over. I think that Priscilla makes more than the opening weekend of Marie Antoinette. I think it gets to $6 million. I do okay. think the high end. I think... There's still enough Elvis and Priscilla IP recognition that that gets a six million and number four. And so number five is going to be it's between After Death, Exorcist Believer, and Paw Patrol the Mighty Movie. I'm gonna say Paw Patrol the Mighty Movie goes All right. wrong, uh, wrong choice. I, I think I think that there's not a kids movie in this bunch. And Halloween's over, so Exorcist Believer is is done. After Death, I don't know. I, you don't I'm believe go in Paw After Patrol. Death. I'm going to go Paw Patrol, the Mighty Movie, number five. What's your top five? After Death has not gained the traction, obviously, for many reasons we've already talked about. They're doing buy one, get one free. They're doing BOGO for After Death. So Angel wow. Studios is sort of in a, I don't want to say in a pickle with this movie, but they definitely are not... Uh, lightning hasn't struck twice, let's just say. Right, right. So, number one, Slam Doink, Five Nights at Freddy's. I agree with you, and I don't think a 68% drop is crazy for this, and I don't mm-hmm. think it's bad for this either because it opened to $80 million. Yes, yes, exactly. S- so, I do think this drops like a rock, and I'm around you where I think it's going to make around 30, maybe 32. Mm-hmm. Again, Taylor Swift, I'm I'm in agreement with you. It had its time and it's over. So it will also drop pretty. And saying precipitously is, again, this is a movie that is at $150 million as of last weekend. So this movie is a huge hit. Mm-hmm. So the fact that it's going to drop off like it will, which probably will be, I mean, it'll probably drop in the fifties uh, again. So eight. Mm-hmm. This is where you're going to be mad at me. Okay. After death, number three, beating number four, killers of the flower moon. I think killers of the flower moon is not going to have a gigantic, drop but it's still going to drop lower than after death Mm -hmm. and then i do agree with you with paw patrol 
that it is going to be five. The reason I disagreed with you is because I thought um, after death would be in the top five still, and you don't mm-hmm. think that. So that was my disagreement. But I do think the rats need their cheese. Paw Patrol making a tidy little sum here. Going to be in the 60s, probably gets around 70. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's my top five. So one, I think Priscilla's one, out, out of it. Wow. Wow. Well, one, here's one thing that we totally didn't mention, and, and I'm throwing this in there as an end-of-the-show curveball. There is another movie coming out from Lionsgate this weekend that's going to be in 1,100 screens called The Marsh King's Daughter, starring Daisy Ridley. This was supposed to be an STX film, Ooh. and and it is now Lionsgate. It was supposed to come out earlier in the month. They pushed it back because of Taylor Swift, um, and it stars Daisy Ridley and uh, Ben Mendelsohn, Garrett Hedlund, of course. From uh, oh, I was I thought for a second Raising Arizona, different different Garrett, um, and. It is strange. Father breaks out of prison. Marsh King abducted her mother. Uh, abducted her mother. She spent her childhood in captivity. She's trying to outmaneuver him in the wilderness. So this is a Daisy Ridley action film that is coming out in eleven hundred theaters. Um, from the director of Limitless, Neil Berger. He directed the film Limitless, not the well, pilot for the movie. So there is this movie coming out 1100 theaters. Do we think that this Daisy Ridley action movie, the Marsh King's daughter throws any kind of monkey wrench in here? I mean, this feels like a movie that, that nobody knows about. Yeah. Um, And Daisy Ridley is not a star. Right. 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 So so does that, I don't think that affects my top five. I mean, I don't see a a Daisy Ridley action movie from Lionsgate that's in 1100 theaters getting into the top five. I mean, does it even make top 10? I mean, it's got to make top 10. I guess it has to make the top 10. 1100 theaters, it'll get a lot of, huh? Sure. You know, from people who still wander into movie theaters, not knowing what they're going to see. Yeah. Um, and it'll get to a couple million. Maybe it'll get to a million. I think that's a fair amount. It'll get to a million. Well, I mean, okay. So a a John Cena action right. movie right. dropped last weekend and dropped at number eight with two right. million. You think that that's going to make half of what a Cena movie True. made? True. It's going to make less than that. True. Very true. The the opening weekend for Freelance from John Cena was two million. It was in two thousand theaters. Yeah, yeah. I guess Marsh King's daughter probably makes less than a million. You all right? Let's do to end the show over under Marsh King's daughter one million dollars over under. Oh, I think this is under under Playmobil the movie style. Yeah, yeah. I guess you're right. Uh, we had no idea this was coming. I out, think this. So. I think it's Armageddon time. Wow. For Daisy Ridley. Wow. Wow. And wow. And and true BO boys, BO girls, wanna be O people. People. Know what I'm talking about. Wow. That number. 
All right. Uh, so I uh, will. I will though. Sorry, I am going to amend my top five real quick. Uh, I okay. am going to put Priscilla at five. You are going to put it at five. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to put it at five. It is going to be Paw Patrol. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, let's listen. It's no three naked gun behind the scenes. You know, not that version of Priscilla, but people still care about Priscilla and Elvis to some degree. Yeah, absolutely. And it's Sofia Coppola, who I think, exactly. you know, people get excited for. Yes, our generation, our Gen X generation love Priscilla. Well, my generation and millennials also like it too. So email us, the boboyspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you, Adam from the Stacks. Thank you, uh, Danny, who did email us about Dune 2 coming out this weekend. Uh, he, you know, he was excited for that film. He was very hyped for it. And now he's got to wait until next march and uh and he'll get it then but email us the bo boys podcast at gmail.com follow us on social medias at the bo boys pod want to be oh senior intern christopher killing it with the vertical clips on social media on tiktok and on twitter x we are youtubers of course after bo the bonus show the web exclusive is only on youtube along with Full episodes, clips, excerpts, all of that. So subscribe to us on YouTube and uh, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Give us a review. Love the show, blah, blah, blah. And five stars helps new listeners find this show. So Clayton, I think we've done it. Oh, we've definitely done it. There's nothing left to say. No. Except for until next time. Will smell you at the box. Oh.